0: What comes to mind when you hear self-care? Do you roll your eyes and want to quickly turn off this podcast? And maybe even write me some hate mail? I don't blame you. Well, maybe I do on the hate mail part. I mean, come on. But what if there were a more nuanced way of looking at self-care? Today we're cutting through the cultural nonsense of self-care to see what it's really all about and how it can help us for real without the consumerism or the cliches. I've got Anna Borges, longtime health and well-being journalist, author, and podcast host, and best of all, someone who does not do BS and who is extremely in touch with what's going on in the modern world of mental health and wellness. Whether self-care makes you cringe or close your eyes in bliss, you'll want to listen to today's baggage check. Welcome. I'm Dr. Andrea Bonier, and this is Baggage Check: Mental Health Talk and Advice. With new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Baggage Check is not a show about luggage or travel. Incidentally, it is also not a show about my idea for a screenplay about two warring pickleball gangs. So let's get to the show. I can't think of many topics that are more central to the idea of mental health, but also more cliche or reviled than the idea of self care. I've heard it used in really fantastic, solid, and sound ways. And I've also heard it used as a flimsy excuse to bail on other people or to spend a bunch of money on overpriced mud baths. When I wanted to do an episode on this, one person immediately came to mind, and that is Anna Borges. I mean, it helps that she wrote a book called The More or Less Definitive Guide to Self-Care. I'm in that, actually. But she's also the host of the podcast Mood Ring, A Practical Guide to Self-Care. Pretty perfect, right? She's a longtime journalist who has been in the trenches with the whole self-care idea since before it started to get so polarizing, and she gets real about stuff. She's also a magnificent editor and writer who took a chance on me years ago when I had a little idea for detoxing your thoughts, and it turned into a challenge that went viral on BuzzFeed, and then it turned into a book. So yeah, I'm a pretty huge fan of Anna, and I was so excited to have this conversation with her. So let's get to it. So Anna, it is such a pleasure to have you today. Welcome to Baggage Check.
1: Uh, I'm so happy to be here. It feels so weird being interviewed by you.
0: That's right. We go so far back and you were actually responsible for detox your thoughts in a way because you were over at Buzzfeed at the time and you helped me shepherd that as a challenge to Buzzfeed and then it eventually became a book and now you do so much with self-care, which is why I'm so excited to have you here and yeah, the tables are a little bit turned. I know. It's fair. I'm like, <laughs> "What? I'm usually interviewing
1: you to give me things to write yeah. about." Like, I do, but I'm like, "Okay, no, it'll be a good conversation. I'm a little nervous. I'm like, ooh. Well, feel
0: free to cut me off if I forget that I'm supposed to be the interviewer rather than the interviewee. Surprise. Um, I'm the host
1: now. I'm just going to turn it back on you.
0: (laughs) But yeah, why don't we start with what first got you interested in self-care? Because it's been an interest of yours for a long time. You made it a professional interest. I know it's a personal interest. How did it begin?
1: It actually started professionally. Like I tried to think of what my self-care origin story was, but it very much was I got kind of put onto the beat and very practically, literally speaking. At the time um, I was at BuzzFeed, it was like 2014, 2015. And articles like service articles about mental health, like it was still an open conversation how we talk about that. The whole disclaimer of like, this is not medical advice. We are not professionals. We're talking to the professionals. And like through those early interviews for those articles, I got introduced to the concept of like self-care through like the therapeutic definition. So I actually like was introduced like slightly before the whole like Storm of commercialized self-care, like treat yourself, Tom Haverford, Parks and Rec, mm. whatever. Um <laughs> and so yeah, and it very much hilariously took a while for me to be like, and now it's time to start applying this in your life, Anna. Like it's not just articles, you're not just like mm. there to give these tips to other people, like this is a thing to do. But I will mm-hmm. I will say that in looking back, even though mental health wasn't something I talked about a lot growing up, it was something I struggled with. And I am like happy and like proud of young me to say that I did do a lot of things for self care without knowing it was self care. I was like a big journaler. Mm-hmm. I was a big. I wrote like a lot of angsty poetry to deal with my. <laughs> sorry, can I? Can I say? <laughs> can I say? <laughs> can, I say you can I? Totally can. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah. So it was. It, it's always been coping with my mental health has always been something that I've like strived to do as someone who struggled with it, but did not know until I was writing about it that that's what it was.
0: Yeah, and it's so good that you just happen to be doing that. Because in my experience, it doesn't usually happen naturally. Mm. In fact, it's an uphill battle. If you try to introduce this to some folks, I mean, some people maybe have grown up with it because their parents introduced them to the concept like, hey, let's talk about our feelings or let's journal about them. But for a lot of people, it's you want me to do what, (laughs) you know, and they're not naturally able to even think about taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. It feels indulgent. It feels something like selfish Mm -hmm. in a way, which I know we'll sort of get into. So how would you even think about defining self-care as you see it? You know, what is it? Because I think it means so many things to so many different people.
1: Yeah. And I think that's honestly my answer, which is that My definition is always boring because there's no simple definition of it. You know, it's like the the disclaimer is always like, and it means something different to everyone. And so I'm kind of like the general category of things that are within our own control that we could do to support our mental health. It's very much like the self part of it. And so Mm -hmm. even as I try and even as I like move away from using the phrase self care, just because it can be so broad, I... Have started being like more specific in like self-maintenance, self-soothing, self-knowledge, yes. self-awareness, like things I do to get to know myself. Like it's like the mm-hmm. self part is what is at the crux of it, the things that we could do and with others too, Um, but non-professional mm-hmm. interventions.
0: And I love that because you spoke to the fact that it's not one thing. Learning about yourself is different than developing habits to take care of your health, Mm -hmm. for instance, which is different than giving yourself compassion, which is different than thinking about the ways that you interact with other people Mm -hmm. and taking time to take breaks and prevent burnout and all of these things. And I think that definition of self-care really makes sense in the sense that it is going to look different for different people, but it also encompasses different things. Mm -hmm. I think there are people who sort of do things by rote, like, oh, this is supposed to be good for me, so I'm going to do it. But they don't necessarily take the time to think about what they really need Mm -hmm. or to have the insight. And I think we're really getting to a point where we understand culturally that awareness of Mm -hmm. yourself and what your struggles are and your vulnerabilities and your own individual characteristics, that awareness is every bit as important as putting things into practice, really.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think the awareness is one that is really coming to the forefront lately. I think people are getting very curious about themselves and why they're the way they are. And I think that's led to, I mean, we'll talk trends, I'm sure. But, you know, even like looking at TikTok and how we talk about mental health these days, it is for better or for worse, because people want to know, why do I do this? Was this a symptom Mm -hmm. of something? Is this, why do I act this way? Um, Yeah, which is, I think, cool that people want to know that it has you know hit or miss in terms of how that plays out but
0: right for sure and I think when we think about things like TikTok once again we're kind of hit or miss at times you know it's so interesting just in the past few years when I have my students looking at mental health messages out there in the media or thinking about cultural understanding of mental health or the stigma of seeking treatment TikTok is now kind of at the forefront of mental health content, it feels like. And I think there's a lot of really good stuff on TikTok about mental health, you know, no matter how you feel about yeah. data collection and all the more nefarious concerns about TikTok itself. But then again, there's also not necessarily a credentialing process. So yeah. there, you also get a lot of potential misinformation that I think can spread really, really fast, yeah. like really alarming. I mean, that's what makes TikTok unique, right, is that the way that the algorithm even works and what you're going to end up seeing, it's not like even some of the other social media and so something can just absolutely take off. Mm-hmm. And, and what's your take on the good and the bad of that? I mean, do you see it helping a lot of people? <sighs> and and maybe we can we can take some of the the negative with it as just part of the price of it? Or do you think there are alarming trends where oh. it's maybe doing more harm than good? I mean, not that either of us are the arbiter no, of this. No, totally. <laughs> just
1: like, oh my gosh, you know, such a big, because I I grew up on like Tumblr and a lot of the same things that we see on TikTok happened on Tumblr as well. You know, the kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, the whole conversation about self-diagnosis culture, which, um, you know, Mm -hmm. could be a whole separate episode and like how people want to find comfort in, again, the explanation of their experience and what like a label that sums that up might be, or like a pathway to treatment, I think could be very helpful. Like, oh, I didn't know that was a potential sign of XYZ. But on the other hand, I really Mm -hmm. do think we are like pathologizing a lot. You know, I think there's like a really lack of, Mm -hmm. a a big lack of nuance between, for me, this manifests in this way. You know, ADHD is a big one for me. Like my ADHD manifests in doing XYZ and the difference between that and XYZ is a symptom of ADHD, you know, I think is kind of like the branch that I see. And I think that I love conversations in the first bucket because maybe I'm like, oh, I think mine does that too. But the second bucket Mm -hmm. is where it kind of gets a little dicey, yes. but I don't know. It's TikTok as a whole. Oh man. There are a lot of things there. I do. I do. I just like a fun place to pick up what other people are doing. Uh, cause I do mm-hmm. think that that kind of like human element of like, not everything has to come from a professional. Yes. We want to not cause harm, but if it's something super tiny, like this is how I adhd my fridge. I'm like, hell yeah, TikTok. Thanks. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the first
0: person is so powerful, I think, in a way that expertise can't necessarily touch. Mm -hmm. To actually see somebody being vulnerable and saying, this is my struggle. This isn't my therapist Mm -hmm. describing what a struggle would be like. This isn't a researcher saying, hey, people with this disorder do this. This is you seeing what my daily life is like. And of course, there are limits to that sometimes when people might be almost exploiting themselves a little much and it it starts to cause harm to open themselves up to so many more people. But I do think in general, it can be so valuable for people to feel like they're not alone. And I think you're right. You know, over pathologizing is always a concern of mine. And, And when I teach and when I diagnose and all these things, I'm very cognizant of the fact that maybe sometimes a disorder is just a part of being human, and we're going to call it a disorder, but it's a natural human experience, Mm -hmm. or it's a quirk, or it's a personality aspect that we can work on. It doesn't have to actually be a diagnosis. I mean, ADHD is a perfect example, right? There are people for whom it can become a strength if it's applied in the right ways. And, you know, 500 years ago, these people were explorers, and they were restless and bored, so they went out and invented interesting things. And, (laughs) you know, I've had had some entrepreneurs in the past who beat their head against the wall for their 20s saying why don't I want to stay in the same job for more than two years or three years or something and I get so bored and antsy and then after a while we're like hey yeah. let's figure out a way for you to actually do something different every couple years and still feed yourself mm-hmm. but to have this be a strength and you're an ideas person maybe or you are kind of a wanderer who needs to live in yeah. a different place or or that kind of thing because yeah there's so many strengths I think in some of the things that we consider deficits. Mm-hmm.
1: Totally yeah and then this is the I always go off on tangents, So I'm like, to bring it back to self-care, since I introduced the TikTok, it's a TikTok thing. But you know, like- You're a good guest already. You're yeah. keeping me accountable. Um, no, it's because I know that I will go off. on like, and now let's talk about TikTok forever. Um, but it's true, you know, then you learn, you find the people that you want to follow whose stories might resemble yours or whose disorders might sem- resemble yours or symptoms might resemble yours. And then you get to see what they do and you get to pick up their tips and see what might work for you or not work for mm-hmm. you. And as long as you're not sitting there like- oh, this works for this person, why isn't this working for me? And like, don't get in that mindset, then I think it's awesome. Yeah.
0: And I think somewhere in there, too, is deciding to let go of some judgment, you know, just Mm -hmm. of yourself and of other people, which sort of brings up this idea that self-care is frivolous, or self-care is Mm short-sighted, or self-care doesn't take into account what's happening in the world. You know, I remember a really huge brouhaha, so to, so to speak, <laughs> at the beginning of the invasion of Ukraine, and there were some pieces done by really intelligent people who had a lot to offer in terms of wellness expertise that were helping people try to manage their own stress mm-hmm. about the situation. And there was a tremendous backlash to a few of those pieces because people thought, you know, what business do you have baking a pie to make yourself feel better mm. when? When across the world, there was a 14-year-old figuring out how to make a Molotov cocktail to protect his family. And it got really, really ugly. And it struck me that it's yet another example of how all or none we can get. You know, the idea that, well, if there's pain going on in the world, I shouldn't be taking care of myself at all, which I think is actually incredibly short-sighted. So, I mean, there's so much fear about this issue of self-care being selfish mm-hmm. or, or frivolous. How do you even begin to think about that?
1: Uh, I feel like I'm just going to quote you back to you because so many of my like foundational um, like <laughs> understanding of this came from like early reporting because this was actually like a – I don't want to call it like a whole ethical dilemma, but I definitely – when I was in charge of writing articles like that, I often – was split about it. I'm like, this feels really silly or frivolous. Like I dealt with those thoughts myself. And like, I think it is a a nuanced conversation in terms of what articles, you know, we're, or like what topics we're giving a platform during these hard times. But I think what we could forget in this like really connected, everything's on social media, we could read all the articles, not all the articles is like, just because one article exists that might help someone who needs it does not necessarily mean that, We are saying that this is the point of this tragedy that is going on. And we were saying the most important thing right now is to be taking care of your mental health. Like we really have to like hope that people can for ourselves and like we hope that other people can do it. Say, like, okay, this is what I need right now. Because if I want to be say doing organizing in some way or doing something about whatever is going on in the world, I need the energy to do it. I need to be able to X, Y, Z. And so like reframing that. Has been helpful, but also half the time I'm like, you don't need to reframe self-care as a way to do well for other people. You can still just be about you. I don't know. That was like a very rambly answer, but I go back and forth on it is the TLDR. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. and No, that wasn't rambly at all. I think so many of us who want to be active about causes that we believe in and we want to be progressive in helping other people and advancing the fight against injustice, it is something we deal with all the time, this notion of where does that leave room to take care of ourselves? But during that backlash, I kept always coming back to the idea that, you know, where does it end? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, so if you shouldn't bake a pie to give yourself a little bit of emotional nourishment should you also not
1: Eat right. right, at
0: all. Right. And I'm not trying to be crass, but I think there's a point at which even the most basic of things of are self-care. You mm-hmm. know, we're going to pay our bills. We're going to walk our dog. We're going to make sure we drink water yep. and get some sleep. And I think people lose sight sometimes of the fact that keeping ourselves somewhat strong is actually a way to stay engaged because I work with people all the time who just get so burnt out. Mm-hmm. And so they shut down yeah. and they say, you know what? I can't bear witness to what's happening in Ukraine because it's too much. So therefore, I'm actually not going to be involved at all. Yeah. Or the, the injustice that's out there in this country is hurting me so much that I've now turned off and I can't fight against it any longer. And I've gotten helpless and I've gotten shut down. And I yeah. think basic self-care really is trying to prevent that. Because if we take care of ourselves to some extent, we can actually have some strength
1: mm-hmm.
0: to fight. You know, and to be able to engage with the world and to bear witness, because I think we should have to bear witness to what's happening. And I think finding that balance is hard, you know, and finding this way of consuming news, for instance, about current events in such a way that it keeps us active without it making us completely shut down in despondence. That part. And, you know, being in the fetal position. It's hard. You know, it's it's so interesting though how I think it also starts to maybe make us feel guilty for our own feelings. Like mm-hmm. I remember the week that Russia had first invaded Ukraine. I had clients who were feeling bad for feeling happy about something in their mm-hmm. personal life. You know, oh this great thing happened to me, but I feel I feel bad because there are these horrors going on across the world. And then I also had clients who felt bad for feeling bad about something in their personal life. Like, oh, I I had this awful thing happen to me and I've been down about it, but I have no right to be down because think of what's going on. You know, I think once we get that comparison yardstick, that's what it does is it keeps us from actually experiencing our own feelings. And I thought to myself, my goodness, we're at a point now where people are feeling bad about their feelings, whether their feelings are good or bad. They're feeling like they don't have a right to them. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's so complicated.
1: It is because it's like also what are – I don't want to be like, what are those feelings helping? But this is how I wind up feeling, being like now I'm just sitting in this feeling of feeling bad and feeling bad about feeling bad also is not helping me do things that would make me feel, quote unquote, like better about like doing something versus not doing something. Like At a certain point, it could feel like – it's not performative if it's just for me, but like performative to myself, you know, because it's like I feel too bad to shut off and so I don't shut off or not shut off, but like, you know, turn off like those feelings to be able to concentrate on maybe something more nourishment for the time being before I'm feeling ready to face whatever's going on in the world. But instead, Mm -hmm. I'm just in this weird limbo of guilt of not doing either way.
0: No, exactly. And the feeling bad about feeling bad. You know, I work with clients all the time, and it almost becomes this this algebra problem, right? There's an exponent on feel- on, the, on the bad feeling. So, you know, we talk about this and we've talked about this on the podcast a couple of times too. Like I'm anxious about feeling anxious. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sad about the fact that I'm sad. I'm mad about the fact that I got mad about this. And once you start putting exponents on emotions, there's that level of judgment that just makes it worse. Totally. And so really trying to cultivate that lack of judgment. I think it'd be helpful for people. You know what I want to hear about though? I want to hear about some of the trends in self-care. Okay. okay? In a just more basic way because, you know, and I trends. in some ways it's like I stick to a lot of things that, you know, hey, for 10 years in therapy I've seen this help and then Something else will come out of nowhere that feels kind of new and really resonates with
1: people. Yeah. So what
0: kind of things are you seeing that, that really are helpful for people these days? So
1: um, I, uh, I have like so many different answers to this question. I'm like, which way do I go? Because right before this call, I don't know if you've seen like the newest round of like AI toys that are going around that everyone's playing with and there was like some AI (laughs) chatbot and I was playing with it like, hey, I want to practice self-care today. What should I do? And like seeing what it told me to do. Um, So now I'm just like, oh God, what's AI going to do for this? But I don't know yet, but that was (laughs) what was on my mind before this call. Um, I will say one, like, I don't know that I would call it a trend, but like a shift in attitude that I'm seeing a lot is a move away from like this more... Individualistic approach to self care because I think what happened Mm -hmm. to speak to even like our last point is I think we spent so long railing against people telling us that self care was selfish. And because in so many ways, it is not that like I feel like people saw some sort of overcorrection and are now moving more toward like collectivist, like communal self care. And I think in a lot of ways, that's a really good thing because. The example that comes to mind is like the trend of how we talked about like friends and toxic friendships and boundaries Mm -hmm. and all these things you know like a couple years ago like you wrote a book on this like it was something that we didn't (laughs) talk about you know like treating friends you know like with the same intentionality maybe as romantic relationships and that sometimes friend breakups are a thing or like all these things and then the conversation progressed as it often does on social media to be very black and white and all of a sudden we're cutting off all of our friends we're not responding to any text messages we're turning down invitations we're flaking and everyone is like guys self-care is not an excuse to do this and i think i'm seeing a lot of Mm -hmm. conversation about how you know in a lot of ways even though self-care isn't selfish and i'm glad of the conversations that we've had We have also kind of moved in a direction that we've forgotten that we are accountable to other people and we do owe other people things and we do want community and relationships and sometimes that's not easy and sometimes our friends are going to be emotionally needy and we have to be there for them or X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. And so like that's a huge conversation I'm seeing, which I like.
0: Yeah, me too. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I feel like it's almost verboten at times. You know, I do a lot of work on boundary setting and talking about that and a lot of media on that. And I feel like it's, in the past, almost been taboo to be like, by the way, don't be a jerk when you're setting (laughs) your boundaries. You know, it's like there's there's almost, you know, this element where people can get so empowered about the boundaries that they have to set that they really don't take the time to think I am part of a universe with other people, Mm -hmm. whether those people are, are people that are in my life constantly or just at the coffee shop. I am part of this web yeah. of community. And I'm so glad to hear you acknowledge that because I almost sometimes feel like a spoil sport that is somehow going against the whole, you know, yay, boundaries, yeah. stick up for yourself. Because it's like, wait a second, you know, there's a right way to set boundaries that also doesn't have to needlessly yeah. bring other people down either. And I think self-care, it's very similar. It, let's think about this in terms of what we need for ourselves and we have that right. But let's also make sure that we're still valuable valuing relationships. Um for a lot of people it's like, "Oh, it's best for me to not go out tonight." Yeah. And it's like, "Okay, we can understand that." But if you just totally ghost the friend or it's their birthday party and you're texting them 10 minutes after it started that you're not going to come <laughs> after all, we have to be realistic about the damage that that might do. And as much as we can empathize that, you know, you've had a hard week or you have social anxiety and it makes it maybe not best for you to go, we have to find a route to do that in a way mm-hmm. that doesn't put harm into the
1: universe too yeah, right totally yeah and so i'm i'm trying to think of other examples too because i think that's that is a trend i notice for so many tips it's very much like a new it's not new but it enters the cultural like conversation in a more mainstream way people are really excited then overexposure happens and so people are kind of like then change how they th- and then they like go the opposite direction and then it's just like <laughs> and the new thing comes in the new thing comes in and so yes i just i hope that we can continue to have like nuanced conversations about if it we call it self-care taking care of our mental health like if we call it just general wellness in the sh- world i hope that we meet more in the middle yeah. that's the only topic that i'll say that on <laughs> <sighs>
0: No, it's true. I really hope that too. And I joke sometimes about, okay, now there's going to be the think piece about that. And now there's going to be the backlash to the think piece. But now there'll be a think piece about the backlash to the, to think, the think, piece. think piece about that. you know, and it's like, Okay, is nuance lost at some point Mm -hmm. because of these overcorrections, as you said? And of course, you know, that's a concern, I think, with health and wellness advice in general, kind Mm -hmm. of the soundbiting of it, this notion of and and we've seen how that can be damaging from literal health advice in terms of the pandemic and how misinformation spreads. But I think it's also a concern, certainly with mental health, because the more we kind of make it bite sized the more there's not room for nuance, right? I mean, how do you actually have nuance if this is supposed to fit in a 30-second video? Yeah, It's kind of gone, which is one reason I love this forum and one reason why I started this and having seen you do it so beautifully is allowing really the space... For nuance and the space to be able to have things be a little bit complicated. And sometimes, you know, whether it be in print or even in Internet media, the time limits of video or the time limits of word counts really just don't allow or even for just that like so
1: the larger audience you know what i mean yes. you can't i ran into mm-hmm. this lot at my last job is you know i worked with a lot of um therapists who were doing like kind of like a one to many model you know trying to scale their knowledge and speak to them and like it was really hard to not wind up with a million caveats and be like, and you might be thinking this, and this might be your experience, and this is not true um, for everyone in that way. And that's like the responsible thing to do. But also it was just impossible to make content that way because you can't speak to everyone. And so now my new question is kind of like, how do we encourage people to interrogate the kind of self-care advice that is out there and then like Mm -hmm. form it to them and build the self-trust and like the kind of. I don't know, curiosity to figure out like what is working for them. You know, there's just because the website says it should work for you or doesn't or shouldn't work for you, doesn't mean it should go one way or another. Like, I don't know, some things I'm thinking about.
0: Oh, curiosity. That's such an important theme. But yeah, I'm imagining those therapists because I've had this exact same struggle. It's like there's only so many asterisks, literally, (laughs) literally or metaphorically that you can use, right? Like, oh, and by the way, you know, it's like mindfulness meditation, it's really, really, really great for a lot of people. There's a subset of people now. I'm over focusing on my symptoms, and now I feel worse because now I'm noticing the tension yeah. in my neck, and I'm worried that my lymph nodes are swollen. And now I'm thinking I need to get checked out for cancer. You know, and it's like, okay, yep. so there is that group of people for whom plain old meditation doesn't have the typical benefits. But the great news is, with further exploration, there's things that they can do that get the same mindful benefits, and they can find ways to meditate that don't hyper focus on their body. So much, or that do involve movement, or that involve just a repetitive motion. And so there's always a solution. But I think in that initial kind of one-size-fits-all advice, it's easy for people to say, well, this didn't work for me, so I give up. And then they don't get to the solution of actually, yeah, you can still meditate too. It's just that your meditation might be walking through nature and pointing out 10 different things, right? Oh, it's so hard, because obviously, we're both in the business of being able to try to speak to larger groups of people about what Helps, mm-hmm. but there's such variation in humans, right?
1: Too. Oh, so much variation in humans, and then I see it. I saw this in myself. This was me dragging myself, but that's the kind of same overcorrection problem or like reactiveness to the more. I don't know, like the basic self-care things such as like that you hear all the time, the meditation, mm-hmm. the um, going for a run and like the rightful feelings of being like, how dare you prescribe this to me as a one size fits all thing? And then like mm-hmm. there were things I realized I never tried because I was so annoyed at how much they yes. were pushed as a thing that would work that I was just mm-hmm. like, screw you. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, I, am I still trying to figure out what meditation looks like for me? Yes. Um Mm -hmm. You know, but it's kind of like the way that we rail against things that in many ways, you know, it's very fair that we're angry that people are giving this to us as a cure, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try it.
0: (laughs) Who am I? Am I I
1: trying meditation now?
0: (laughs) <laughs> yes, and I know you've had a lot of different types of self care techniques on your, you know, introduced yeah. on your podcast. Have there been some that you have really kind of stuck Ooh. with you, whether because you've adopted them or because you've just really seen how much they've resonated with your audience?
1: Mm. Oh, that's a good question. I think one that has stuck with me um, was one that wasn't it it didn't wind up turning out to be the tip but it was the conversation that I had with the expert based on the tip it was um I wanted to do an episode that was based off of um why the like 60 second rule is so hard um like the 60 second Mm -hmm. rule being that if it could be done in less than a minute just do it and I applied it to my dishes and asking the question of like why is it so hard for me to do the dishes one at a time instead of waiting until the end of the week when they're all piled in my sink and now I'm miserable? So that was the question that I <laughs> that I posed to dr uh, Dr. Fishbach. her name her first name is escaping me at this moment. And at some point during the interview when I was like, "Why is it so hard to get started? Like, why, whatever?" And she was like, have you ever just thought that like the dishes aren't that important to you? And I was just like, the dishes are important to me. I like my apartment to be clean unless it like really blah, 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 blah. But then after that interview, I started thinking like, hmm, what would happen if I didn't Rather than thinking I should do this dish and I know I'm not going to do it anyway, what if I just tried not to care about the dishes and see how I feel on Friday when I do them? And it was just kind of like taking away that layer of guilt. But the reason it stuck with me was that interrogation of like what assumptions do I have about myself or like what old goals about myself am I working toward that aren't relevant anymore? And I feel like that happens so much with taking care of my mental health is realizing that i've held on to old things that no longer work realizing that mm-hmm. i'm resisting things that i haven't actually tried before before whatever reason um yes and that i think was a big thing throughout throughout mood ring especially because we wanted it to be a very I don't know, like communal show, like our producers also, like they had their episode ideas that they brought in and they were tips that I was like, yeah, sure, I'll try that. I don't know how it's going to go. And like one of my producers, Georgie, was like so much, I I always, I was like, you're like just like a shinier person than me. She was just like so bubbly and optimistic and like happy. (laughs) And so she did this episode um, on what she calls Lammy, which was just uh, um, essentially like um, a word for interacting with the world in like a way that would make your child self-happy, like, maintaining Mm child-like wonder. And I was just like, this is not going to work. Georgie, like, I'll do the episode, but this is just not me. Um, And it was, like, it was fun. It didn't wind up being for me, but, like, I still learned other things. So, yeah, those are the two ones. The kind of keep checking in with yourself and getting to know yourself and then be open, blah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but the idea about letting go of old goals or goals that really – We're never quite yours in the first place. You know, the dishes thing is so funny because I feel like there are so many things that so many of us walk around with where we want to be the type of person
1: who
0: does this. But we don't actually want to do it, yeah. right? And there's a really important distinction there. You know, I want to be the type of person who does this type of exercise mm-hmm. or gardens or whatever it might yeah. be. And it's like, okay, but that falls short of actually, that's not enough to actually do it. You actually have to want to really. do it and i think some level of chores at home is kind of that question for all of us of course if there's a partner in the picture then it becomes an even more complicated (laughs) question because there has to be some equilibrium there but Do you really want to actually be the type of person that has a clean sink every single night without a dish Mm -hmm. left in it? That's different than actually thinking that it's truly worth your while to devote, uh, you know, this amount of time every single night to not ever leaving a dish in your sink. And, you know, I think that's so true for anyone because we we get tied up in the identity. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I want to be this type of person. And. That's a different thing than actually wanting to do the things. And there's only a finite amount
1: of time in the day. Yeah. You know? And, like, what I found – now I love this dish example because it also – because then for a while I did kind of swing into, like, Dr. Fishbach was right. the dishes. And then I did start to realize, like, (laughs) yeah, throughout the week I was um, caring less about it, feeling less guilty when I was setting the individual dish down. But I still really hated Fridays when I had my sink full of dishes. And so it, like, then Mm -hmm. turned into interrogating, well, okay – I didn't care about the dishes a lot and doing the dishes. But what what is it I do care about? And that forced me to kind of have to be like, well, I like my apartment maintaining like a general cleanness because it allows me to invite people over on more short notice mm-hmm. and allows me to be social. And that is important to me. And kind of yes. doing the, like the mapping of like, I'm never going to like this individual piece of self-care that I do. This individual piece of self-care is never going to be part of my identity. Clean dishes no. But in living in terms of my values of like, I want to be social. I want to have friends over. But also I don't like inviting my friends over when it smells like stinky dish. Like, okay, now we're back to doing dishes as self-care. You know what I mean? It's just kind of weird that like right. it can just it your motivation can change it too. Completely. Uh, but that also means now I'm doing my dishes more because now I have yes. the motivation. <laughs> exactly.
0: I, I know nothing of the stinky dish smell. <laughs> that is that has not at all been the potpourri of my life Never. for the past. <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. You know, and so it becomes a cost benefit analysis, right? Like there are certain things we don't want to do, but because they're in line with our values or the effects of them are so important, Mm -hmm. then we do them. And I think that is so true because everything's kind of on a spectrum in that way, right? Like, okay, it's not worth it to me to get every single thing perfect on my kitchen counter every single hour of the day. But at some point, my kitchen counter needs to be nice enough that if people come over to have dinner, they're not going to be horrified in front of screen. Or it's not going to be like house. a
1: huge thing that you then have to clean for two days to be right. able to. Because then, do you ever see? Exactly. People? No.
0: exactly or you know you clean for two days and then you have to pretend you didn't have time to clean that that's my personal favorite when it's like like, i'm so sorry the place is such a mess i didn't get a chance to clean and then secretly you're like well i cleaned for three hours but that did not make a dent
1: (laughs) (laughs) wow are you me this is my best friend lives nearby and every time she comes over i'm like just a heads up it's really messy over here and she's like anna you don't have to say that every time (laughs) but god that's so
0: yes there's such a gender thing in there too I think you know I just don't think at least most heterosexual dudes are sitting there saying like oh I'm so sorry, Mike. You know, I just I didn't have time to get this place up to
1: snuff for you. <laughs> can you, you imagine? Yeah. Oh. I, for me personally, I'm like it's also just a Virgo thing. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? Oh, oh God. my
0: goodness! But you know, speaking of gender and stereotypes yes. and things, one thing I did want to ask you is how do we strive towards a more inclusive definition of self care? Because mm. I think that in some ways, part of the hit on self care, and I think it's justified, is self care is like being Granted, Now, right? Like, let me follow this influencer who happens to be a blonde, thin, heterosexual white woman doing yoga. And a lot of influencers, I think, have sort of said, hey, here are my imperfections and here are my vulnerabilities. But still, they're packaged. They're curated. You know, and I talked a lot about this when I talk about toxic positivity. Like, Mm. how do we actually create a more inclusive discussion culturally about self-care? I mean, there is no right answer here. But like, what, what should we be trying to do? because I do think for a lot of people, the whole self-care idea does seem ridiculous. You know, if you're working three jobs or you've got a kid with special needs or you're not making enough to know for sure if you're going to be able to pack your kids' lunches for that week or you live in a community where there's a lot of violence or where you're constantly facing discrimination or you're dealing with the effects of systemic racism every single day, for instance, any of those things or or you're facing all kinds of stigma in other ways if it's disability or if it's something about gender identity or something I can imagine it being really irritating to look at sort of the picture of self-care that we typically have yeah and you know you get turned off by it what could we be doing to make this better since since both of us are in the wellness space
1: oh I feel like my like my go-to answer to this is very much like Maybe we just stop centering the conversation around self-care. Is that like, you know what I mean? Like maybe Mm -hmm. the term is too far gone and has too much baggage with it, you know? Like maybe it's just Mm -hmm. an uphill battle Mm -hmm. to try and package it that way. Like maybe it has been too branded, especially like when it – I now just mostly use it as a synonym for like taking care of our mental health, you know? You think of like what can we do to take care of our mental health? And then the conversation becomes – Oh, shit, what we, can we do to make taking care of your mental health more equitable and accessible? And that's like, oh, shit, we have to change the world. Um, yeah. And so I do think yeah. in the ver- like in the very least, the kind of like entry point is just really trying to move away from self-care from having one definition. Cause even if we aren't talking about the commercialized, like bubble bath, you know, like obviously like so many people can roll their eyes to the bubble bath, but even if we're talking about like the foundational Mm -hmm. self-care of attending to your like physiological and safety needs, even that is laughable for some people to like have to like, you know, to think about, can I integrate this in a mindful way in my day-to-day life? Like for like some people the answer right now or for a longer period of time is just like, no. And so it's like I think the larger thing that we need to do is stop using self-care as our go-to answer for a lot of larger systemic problems, which I think a lot a lot of people who I respect and follow, they don't do that. But like in like right. the war- like larger cultural conversation, I do still think that we're just hurling self-care as yes. a band-aid answer to, you know, any number of bullet holes like structurally falling down apart, like the foundation crumbling beneath us. And it's just like, yeah, of course, like let's stop talking about self-care then. And then that's where, community, like, short of revolutionizing the entire system, that's where I am now seeing more conversations about community care come to the mainstream, um, off the backs yeah. of, you know, Im- or I almost said influencers, organizers who have been doing it for, <laughs> for, for decades and relying on their communities yeah. for t- decades to lean on, you know, each other to make up for the systemic feelings that make it so self-care is not possible for certain people.
0: Right, because I think, oh, that's so true, and that can be a cousin too. Well, if only you had done this, then you would have succeeded. Mm-hmm. If only you had just taken care of yourself in the right way, yep. then you wouldn't, you know. And it's like, okay, that is such a cop out for actually looking at societal, right,
1: like self problems. care. Thanks, great. When am I yeah. going to do that? And like, what is like, what does that even look like?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Oh, this has been. Such I know a we just hit time. We just hit
0: time, <laughs> which. Our listeners are like, well, what does that even mean? But... <laughs> it means I have to go. <laughs> yes, yes. But thank you so much, of Anna. Course. What a pleasure! I know that a lot of people really enjoy your podcast, and I am one of them. And I really appreciate your having taken the time oh, today.
1: This was a blast. You know, I could have talked for several hours on any of these questions <laughs> individually. So,
0: <laughs> well, we'll definitely have to have you back. Thank you again. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Once again, I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this has been Baggage Check, with new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Join us on Instagram at Baggage Check Podcast to give your take on upcoming topics and guests. And why not tell your chatty coworker where to find us? Our original music is by Jordan Cooper, cover art by Danielle Merity, and my studio security is provided by Buster the Dog. Until next time take good care.